Awesome. Everyone good? Good? Thanks, Jim, for sharing for communion. That was really good. It's, um, it's funny how God does things. We've had a pretty consistent theme this morning of talking about, in, in pre-service prayer, we were really praying into faith and uh, just, just God giving us faith for, for things that we haven't seen, for things that we, haven't, we, we don't yet know to be true all that kind of stuff, and then we come in here and Jim's talking about trusting in God and having faith in God no matter what the circumstances are, and uh, I'm coming to talk about faith. (laughs) I love how God does that. Um, If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Isaiah, actually no, I'm not going to do that. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to Matthew 15, and you can put your finger in it there. Uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit before we get to Matthew 15, though. Once you have your finger in it, or if you open it up to on your phone, or anything like that, if you actually, I'm going to get actually everyone to close their eyes for a second. Close your eyes. Sit back. Relax. Don't go to sleep. I'm going to talk so that you don't go to sleep. Or if my voice puts you to sleep, that's also okay. I just want to read some scripture while you have your eyes closed. And I just want you to pay attention to the words that are spoken in, in this scripture. It says, have you, not, have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youth shall faint and become weary and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and will not faint. Let me just read that again. Keep your eyes closed. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is he weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even the youths shall faint and become weary and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Keep your eyes closed. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. 
and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. I just want you to think about these, these scriptures for a second. These promises that the Lord has given us. He's promised that in our weakness, he will increase our strength. He's promised that when we have no might, he will give us his power. He's promised that every door you knock on, he shall open it. He's promised that every time you ask, you shall receive. He's promised that he shall renew our strength, that we will mount up with wings like eagles, that we shall run and not grow tired, that we will walk and we will not faint. This is what he, he's speaking over you. You can open your eyes if you want. These are his promises, just, just two out of multiple promises that he has written, that it is his word, the very word from his mouth that is over your life. I want to ask you a question. Last week, before we started the service, for those of you who were here, uh, before the service started, before we started worshiping, I asked you a question. And I asked you to turn to your neighbor and I asked you to talk about a promise that the Lord has spoken over your year. And I asked you guys to talk about it. And then we went one step further and I then asked you to prophesy a promise that you feel like God is telling you to give to the person next to you for their year. Who here remembers that? Everyone remembers it? I want to ask you a question and and it's not a question that you have to answer. It's a question to make you think. What have you done about what you heard the Lord speak to you last week on Sunday? What have you done with it this past week? You don't need to answer, you just need to think. What have you done with that promise that you may, that, like that the Lord had spoke over you last week? Or maybe it was a promise that you told your neighbor. But what have, you, what have you actually done with that promise? What have you done with that word from God? Isn't it funny how so often we, we, we know promises of God and we, we hear promises of God and we believe in the promises of God, yet sometimes we fail to act or properly steward the promises of God over our lives. You see, I, I, I mentioned this last week that our, our job, our role in his promises isn't to actually fulfill his promises. He is the one who fulfills his promises. We are the ones who are called to believe, we're called to receive, we're called to ask, we're called to rely on him to be our strength. Ultimately, we're called to say yes to the promises that he's speaking over our lives. Ultimately, we're called to surrender our hearts, surrender our will, surrender our minds, surrender our, our, our bodies, our souls to him. And, and it's our yes that does that. It's our prayer, God, you have your way. God, I, I don't know the answer to this situation, but I trust you. That's a, that's a statement of surrender. That's a statement of belief in God. God, I, I, I trust you even though I don't understand. I want to talk to you today about, I want to share on, sorry, about a story out of Matthew chapter 15. It's the story of the Gentile woman 
and her plea, her cry that Jesus would heal her daughter. It's the story of a, of a Canaanite woman. It's also in, it's also in Mark in chapter 7. Uh, they, the stories run parallel. In Mark, it's labelled the Syrophoenician woman. So if you want to turn to verse 21. I'm going to read the story through and then we're going to go back to the top and we're going to start to pull it apart because there are some serious keys in here that I just... Uh, the Lord really highlighted to me in the last couple of days. Verse 21, it says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and she worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered her, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it away to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered her and said, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be so as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. You might be wondering, Nathan, you're talking about faith. You're talking about promises of God. And this is a story about a woman who did not have the, the promises of God in that time over her life. She was a Canaanite woman. For those of you who don't know, the people of Canaan, uh, the, the woman that she is, the, the, the group that she's part of from, sorry, Canaan, they're pagan worshippers, they're idolaters. They, throughout most of the Old Testament, were one of the main people, groups, or reasons why Israel turned away from God on multiple occasions. The Canaanites were often the reason for Israel's downfall. And so Jesus here, the fact that she's even talking to Jesus is a miracle in itself. Because it's actually written uh, in, in Hebrew law that it is, can often be seen as unclean to come into contact or to be in the vicinity of someone from Canaan, especially a woman. So... The fact that Jesus comes out of uh, speaking to the multitude and, and goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And, and so the reason why the disciples are telling him to like show her away is because according to Jewish law and to Jewish customs, it's actually unclean for that woman to be around them. But here she is. And here is Jesus inviting her to come and speak to him. She says to him, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. I I so wonder and think, how did she know who Jesus was? How did she know who Jesus was? Because she's a Canaanite woman, so she's not aware of the, the Jewish prophecies. She's not aware of the Jewish law. She's in a region in which, up until this point, 
Jesus had not yet gone to Tyre and Sidon. And she actually came from another place to Tyre and Sidon to meet Jesus. And so I wondered when I was reading through this, how did she know about Jesus? How did she know who he was? I wish I had an answer for you on that, by the way, because I, I really don't. I really don't know how this woman knows Jesus. I can, I can take a stab in the dark. What, what I feel like, the, the reason why I believe that she knows Jesus is because of the presence that he carries, because of the way that he carries himself, because of who he knows he is. You see, Jesus makes a statement in, in his listed in the Gospels that he would only do what he sees his father doing. And so there's a specific reason why Jesus is in the region of Tyre and Sidon. He's escaping the multitude of people. So he's escaped the multitude of people and he's coming to the city of Tyre and Sidon to rest. And so if he only sees what he sees his father doing, so the father's calling him to rest. So Jesus in his surrender, he's gone to rest. And this woman comes and finds Jesus and says, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. His reply is somewhat offensive. I, I remember when I first read this as a child, I was like, oh my gosh, Jesus just called this woman a dog. And a lot of, a lot of people actually read it like that. A lot of people read it to be that Jesus is actually calling her a dog. And for Jewish people, dogs weren't actually pets. They were pests. So funnily enough, I only found this out in the last couple of days. Jewish people didn't have dogs as pets. So they were pests. And so to the Jews, he's just called her a pest. But to her, in uh, Canaanite and in, in, in the history of Canaan they actually had dogs as pets. And so to her, she views this, not as offence, but she views it as the Lord calling her a pet, like a pet dog. And so her reply to him is, yes, Lord, but even the dogs get, the little dogs eat the crumbs from which fall from their master's table. She chooses to not partner with offence. She chooses to still believe in who he says he is, which he is the, the son of David, the son of God. I remember when I was a teenager, I just turned 15. Actually, I was 14 and nine months because I remember I was applying for jobs. Who here out of all you guys, you're all like all you teenagers right there in that second row. Who here, when you turned 14 and nine months, you were like, yes, I want to get a job straight away. None of you. Awesome. That's fine. Who here has a job? Who has a job? <laughs> yeah, Lockie has a job. No one else has a job. Wow. So you guys aren't going to be able to relate to this at all. But that's okay. The parents will be able to relate to it. I remember when I first turned 14 in nine months, I was like so excited to start working. I was the kid who was eight years old going on 15, just wanted to, I wanted to drive since I can remember. I just wanted to grow up, grow up, become an adult. And uh, I remember I turned 14 years, nine months, 
yes, I'm allowed to work. What am I going to do for work? Where do I want to work? I don't really want to work at Macca's. Don't want to work at Hungry Jack's. Like, where do I want to work? KFC. <laughs> I didn't want to work at KFC. Um, I remember I created my resume. Well, I helped my mum create my resume. Um, she's a really good resume writer. Just a, a little plug there for mum. Um, I helped mum create my resume. I, I listed all my achievements and I talked about what I was good at and I was determined and I was a hard worker. I was able to think well under pressure, you know, all, the, all those kind of things. And I remember I printed off like 20 resumes because I'm like, yes, I'm going to go around, hand these out. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to start working. I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to become an adult at 14 years and nine months. Took my resumes, went down to Park Hill Plaza, went down there with my resumes, super excited, super jacked up, like, yes, mum drops me off. I start walking around, carrying my resumes, walking around, and I start to get really nervous because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm about to go into like these stores with these adults and I'm about to tell them about myself and try and get a job. And fear came over me and I was super scared. And I started to think about like, oh, what if they don't like me? Like, what if I don't speak well and I mumble my words and I don't get the job? What if they don't like the borders that I put around my resume? What if, no, like that was a serious thought, like went through my mind. Because I was like, nah, because the borders were like pretty much the only thing that I did on my resume. (laughs) So what if they didn't like the borders that I put in? What if they didn't like the word art that I did? What if? And I started to like have these thoughts. And in the end, I bet you can all guess what happened. I didn't hand out one single resume. I printed off 20 and I handed out none. Because I was just too afraid. I remember... I remember coming home and I was like, oh, like, cause I, I walked home cause we live close to Park Hill and I was like, man, I didn't hand out anything. Like I've just failed. Went to try and get a job. Like maybe I'm not ready for this. And so I, I put the resumes on the back burner for a little bit. I turned 15 and I was like, once I turn 15, I'll go get a job. So we get out my resumes again and I <laughs> go down to Park Hill And I don't hand out any again. I didn't hand out any twice. And I just remembered like feeling so upset with myself. Because in my heart, I so desired to work. I really did. I really wanted to make my own money. I really wanted to be independent. I really wanted to succeed and be successful. They're the same thing. I don't know why I said that. I really wanted to succeed. But... For some reason, my idea, my plan, my desire didn't bring fruit. It didn't bring results. And I remember, I remember it got to the point where I was just like, I need to get a job. And so, mum, I don't even know how we found out that Domino's were hiring, but we found out that Domino's were hiring through someone. And mum drove me down, dressed me up, got me all nice, drove me down, walked me to the front door of the store, opened the door for me and made me walk inside. And so I walked inside with no money in my pockets so I couldn't just like walk inside and order a pizza and I had my resumes in my hand and I was trapped. And it ended up, you know, presenting myself and being like, hey, I'm Nathan, here's my resume, I'd love to work for your company. 
ended up getting a job at Domino's. And that was my first job ever, was working at Domino's Pizza, making pizzas. Don't despise small beginnings, kid. Like, kids. Sorry, like, it, Domino's was actually really cool. I really loved working at Domino's. I worked there for, like, three years nearly. Um, but I was thinking about, for some reason, that story came to my mind last night. And I was thinking about it. And I had this realisation. Hindsight is a beautiful thing. I wish you could have hindsight in the moment although that would make it not hindsight, but I wish that you could have hindsight in a moment because, you know, with hindsight, we, we would change the world. I remember thinking last night, like, when I was 15, I was convinced that I had to convince the people to hire me because I was like, this is a big, scary thing. I need to get a job. Like, what are the, like, the chances of them hiring me are low. I need to do this myself and I just need to do it. And I, it's almost like I had this idea that I had to force them into believing that I was worthy to be like to work for them and I was worthy to have a job for them and I was worthy to be an employee and I was thinking last night like it's so funny that I used to think that way that my mindset was that I have to be the one to make them want to hire me whereas in reality dominoes were hiring in reality the fish and chip shop down at Park Hill Plaza was hiring in reality, the Johnny Boy's Pizza at Park Hill Plaza was hiring. And so they were, just as much as I was seeking for a job, they also were seeking for employees. Yet for me, I, I didn't put two and two together. And for me, I, I thought, as it, like, I'm going to have to like, break down the door to get a job. However, imagine how I would have felt if I had just stopped and thought, hang on a second. These guys are looking for employees. It's not my responsibility to make them employ me, but they're looking for employees. And so if I go and present myself, maybe they'll hire me. I don't need to force them to hire me. Maybe they'll just hire me. You see, I think this woman, whatever her name may be, I think this woman had an understanding about truth. I think she understood that although at that time Jesus was sent for the nation of Israel and his ministry was in the nation of Israel, I think she had a greater understanding and, a, and an idea and a picture of what the long term looks like. Because in reality, her response to Jesus saying that he is sent to the nation of Israel could have just been, okay, that's fine. I'll, like, that's fine. She could have heckled him a little bit more, maybe asked for him to do it. It was very common, actually, in that time for people to be out begging on the street because in that time where she was from, Tyre and Sidon and around that area, it was actually really common for a lot of uh, magicians, healers, people, like down that stream, like their powers are coming from somewhere bad. It was actually really common for people to be traveling along those roads and for people to sit on the side of the road and beg them for their power to change their situation. So she could have just continued to do that and continued to wait until the next person came along. But she had a, an understanding, I don't know how, but she had an understanding and a revelation of who the son of man was, the son of God was. She knew that he was the son of David and she knew that even the little dogs will get the crumbs off the master's table. She knew it. See, if I had knew, known that the people that I was trying to apply with, for jobs with, 
the employees, if I had known that they were wanting to be hiring, then I would have asked and I would have gone in and, and asked and not felt like I had to break down the door. She knew, so she asked. She knew who he was, so she asked. She knocked on the door. And Jesus replies to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be so. Let it be so. What if, what if our breakthroughs, what if the things that we are wanting to see come true, what if the things that we're praying and believing for, the promises that God has spoken over our lives, are on the other side of a door that we need to knock on? What if they're just one more question away? What if they're just one more ask away? You see, I think there's something to learn from this woman. It's that it's perseverance. It's that knowing that I know what the truth is, so therefore I'm not going to let go of that truth. Knowing that you are the son of David, like son of God, you are the Lord, have mercy on me. It's about persevering. What if our breakthroughs were just one, one more question away? I remember I went to Mexico a couple of years ago on a ministry trip and we went down and we were doing this conference thing. We put on this conference. It was actually a women's conference. It was like the most incredible time that I've, like one of the most incredible times in ministry that I've ever experienced was just this three days, these three jam-packed days in Mexico. But I remember, I remember applying for the trip. The trip cost $900. 900 US dollars and I remember being in my room thinking like oh like I really like this for some reason God's tugging my heart on this trip I didn't plan to go to Mexico this year but God's tugging my heart like and I remember sitting there pulling up the application for the trip and like starting to apply for it knowing that it was like a, a trip that was going to a women's conference and that I was probably one of the few males that was going to be there, but like I couldn't, you know when God just speaks to you and you can't shake it, and you're just like, oh, okay, oh, it's just there. I was applying, and I was just like, I even said in my application, like, I, I don't know why I'm applying for this trip, but like God is just tugging on my heart, and I just want to apply and honor like what I feel like he's calling me to do, and be obedient, so I did. I ended up getting accepted onto the trip. But now I was like, shoot, I have $900 that is not in my bank account, that I have no, like, how am I going to pay for this trip? Because I was poor at the time. I was just a poor international student who couldn't work. Like, and, and I was, at that time as well, I was also on the Australian trip and we were leaving like a month later. And so I was raising funds for the Australia trip and I was like trying to go on that trip. And then I applied for this Mexico trip and I got on the both of them. And I was like, well, God, I'm at an impasse here and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And I remember there was this where the Lord spoke really, really clearly to me about this Mexico trip. And he said, Nathan, I want you to use the funds that you um, saved up for your Australia trip. I want you to use them for your Mexico trip. And I want you to put it in there. And I want you to use your student scholarship fund for travel and you're paying off your Mexico trip and you're going to Mexico. It's like, okay, I paid it. 
get on the plane, go to Mexico. When we got there, we went to this conference thing and we were doing some ministry time. We were going after healing. And that morning I had asked God, like, okay, God, like, I want to know what you want to heal today. Like, can you maybe show me a picture of something that's going on? Maybe, you know, tell me something so that I can know what's going on. And I remember (laughs) the only thing he gave me, it was the most random thing ever. He said, someone's left pinky is hurt really bad and I want to heal it today. That's it. A left pinky finger and I want to heal it today. And I remember thinking, nah, like, nah. Like, God, give me something else. Like, you know, maybe, maybe you want to hear cancer today. Maybe you want to heal, like, deaf ears. Maybe you want blind eyes to open. You know, give me something better than a left pinky finger that's really sore. Please, like, this is a big conference. I don't want to get up on stage and say someone's left pinky finger's hurting. Like, God, just, you know, give me something that's, like, miraculous that I can, you know, pray for. And nothing. Just a left pinky finger. So I write it down in my notes so I don't forget. We go to the conference and um, we're a team of like five or six and we're calling out, like they're, they're just calling out stuff and people are saying like, there's someone with like deaf ears, like stand up if you have hearing loss in your right ear and people are standing up and you know, like my team, uh, the people in my team are listing off like really crazy things that I'm like, oh, like God, this is the stuff that I wanted to like say, you know, because I want to be praying for this. And the mic came down the line and I was the last person in line. And I was like, guys, I got nothing except. And I, like in that moment, like I was like, oh, I do not want to say this. I was like, God, just give me something else. Say something else to me. Like, I, I, like I'll take anything right now. And he's like, no, left pinky finger. And so I say, um, I really... I really feel like God wants to heal someone's left pinky finger. And it had to get trans. So like I said it and my teammate next to me smirked. And then it actually, it had to get translated because we're in Mexico. So they speak Spanish. And so then the translator translates what I just said. And down the back, like back right hand corner of the auditorium, this woman stands up and like starts jumping and like screaming and she's crying and she's like that's me that's me that's me and uh i went up to her and with a translator and i started talking to her and it like long story short she's had she had an accident and she like lost the ligaments in her left pinky finger or something happened to them and she like hasn't been able to bend her finger for like 20 plus years and it causes her pain all the time and it's something that she's like prayed for over and over again and it's never been healed. And she's crying and she tells me like, I, I believe this was like the thorn in my flesh. Like, I, I, like she said, like I got to the point where I just believe maybe just God wants me to have this. And so I got to pray for her and, and her, her finger got healed and she was able to move it. There was no more pain. She could bend it. It could move by itself. And I remember walking away from that moment completely changed. Not because I saw a left pinky finger get healed. It wasn't about the finger. It it was about the faith that grew in me in that moment in God. It was about the faith that made me not question to this day ever again who the Lord says he is or who he calls me to be. The faith to know that if, if a promise of God is spoken, 
then it will come to pass. That no matter whether you're a person who believes it or not, or the person I'm praying for is a person who believes that they're worthy because maybe they've done some dumb things. Maybe, maybe they're not a person who believes in God. So they view themselves as unworthy. It's not the case. Whether they're a Muslim, whether they're someone who believes in something different, like, and they feel like, I can't receive it because it's Christianity, it's not the case. This woman knew that Christ came for everyone. I know that Christ came for everyone. We know that Christ came for everyone. He came for our little pinkies. He came for our little baby toes. He came for us, all of us. Something that was so little and slightly embarrassing and kind of insignificant to me changed that woman's life. In the space of five minutes, her life was changed. To me, it meant nothing before I said it. It meant everything to me after I said it. What promises, what has the Lord spoken to you that may be lying dormant, that may be the thing that he said last week, but what has he spoken to you that he's asking you to carry, that he's asking you to believe, that he's asking you to surrender to, that he's asking you to follow through on? What are those things? Because as I said last week, I, I believe that there is a promise over me, over our church family, over this church. I read Isaiah 55. It, it says that no word that leaves his mouth shall return void. That it shall water the earth. That it shall cause the seed that is sown to spring up and bud. That it shall cause the farmers to come and reap so that the hungry can be fed. That every word that comes out of his mouth shall not return void. And I believe that we're in a season, that this is a year, where we are called as a family to activate our faith in the promises that God has spoken. No matter our situation, no matter what's going on in our lives, that we are called and that we have a mandate, that we have to believe and walk and act by faith. Not our own. Not our own strength, but his. And he will cause us to rise up, to mount up with wings like eagles. He will make us walk when we are weary. He will make us run when we feel faint. It's our responsibility to say yes. It's our responsibility to surrender. It's our responsibility to persevere, to believe. I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, I want to pray and um, I'm going to get, we're going to do a little bit of an activation just after that to close. Something that um, was thrown a lot just around, it was just a sentence that um, I 100% believe. It's a sentence that I believe, but it's a sentence that was just thrown around a part of the culture and the, the, the words and the lingo that was spoken over at Bethel. Um, but it's a really simple one. It, it's called faith is spelt like risk. Faith is spelt like risk. It's spelt by four letters, risk. And I'm, I'm not saying be risky and make unwise decisions. Hear me on that. But, but I, I believe that we have a, a challenge and a mandate to step out in faith and take risks now, tomorrow, next week, next month, for the rest of the year. Faith is to spell like risk. See, what, what would have happened last night if Cal didn't step out? 
Like, I'm sure in that moment you were feeling pretty like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, God, did I hear you correctly? God, like, are you, am I, like, is this you? And Cal stepped out and took a risk in faith. And look what happened. I, two years ago, stepped out and took a risk, a big one about a little pinky finger. And look what happened. And I'm sure that each and every one of you have had things, even this past week, that you're like, oh, that's a bit of a risk. That requires a little bit of faith. You're going to have them this week. It's going to be next week. But are we stepping out? Are we stepping out in faith, knowing that he is our strength, knowing that he is our power, that we have might in his name? Are we stepping out? If you want to just close your eyes, I just want to pray for you. God, I just, I thank you. God, we thank you. Lord, that it is by your stripes that we are healed. God, it is through your strength that we can rise up with wings like eagles. God, that it is your power which raises the dead. God, that it is you and you alone. God, it is you and you alone. God, we we honor your name. Lord, we honor and we thank you for the love that you have poured out. God, thank you that you didn't just come for the Israelites, that you came for us. Lord, that you came for every man, for every woman, for every child, for everyone. God, we just right now in this moment, lay down our, our agendas at your feet. God, I lay, we lay down our expectations, we lay down our ideas, and we posture our hearts in surrender towards you. And we ask that you would fill us with faith, that you would fill us with your strength, that you would fill us with your power. And Lord, you would, you would lead us, you would guide us to know the truth and to live out the truth and to minister in truth. God, I just pray for courage, for boldness, and for wisdom. God, would you give us these things? We hold on to the promise that says, if you ask, you shall receive. If you knock, the door will be opened. And Lord, we just ask that you would give us these things, the things that we need to to carry out your will. Would you make us more like Jesus? Would you transform us into his likeness? Would you lead us and guide us in everything that we do? Amen.